Tony, how are we getting on? Welcome to Fat Man Talking right, Podcast. Keep well. Sure. Thanks for the invite. I was very, um, I was very impressed. I got an invite because um, I could see all your past guests are all athletes and um, very impressive people in the sporting world. I feel, I feel like though, like anyone who's going to come on and I suppose has a good story and like can I suppose inspire people in different ways is definitely someone I want on the podcast. And I mean, from having chats with you at TFS a good few Saturdays and just some of the stuff you were chatting to me about, I was like, I feel like Tony would be a perfect guest. And it, it's funny because I actually, I just see so many people going on about your coffee and everything like that. And I'm like, it's just great to see someone, I suppose, really doing well. And, you know, it's great to see, especially at times like this. I know certainly your coffee's getting me through the long days and work, so I can't have any complaints. Yeah. So maybe yeah, as a starting um, point, could you tell us a little bit about Westcar Coffee? Yeah, so I suppose West, West Cork Coffee was started back in 2015. Um, I developed a hobby and a passion into a full-time business. Um, I did my degree in engineering, electrical engineering. I worked for 13 years in that industry. Um, I wrote the coffee as a hobby between those 13 years, basically, and um, decided to give it a go in 2015. And started growing the business itself from um, a very small base of online sales to supplying from the top cafes and restaurants in Cork. Um, we're based in Inishine. We roast small batch, five to ten kg batches of coffee. Um, and um, yeah, it's a small operation. There's three of us working there, so I'm the head roaster. I source the beans myself direct as well. So we source direct trade into Inishines and work in Inishines distribute online into the cafes that we have partnership with um, two other people in the roastery who help us with packaging, courier work, online fulfillment. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell, really. Awesome, man. Um, and like from, from your perspective, moving from maybe something that might have been a, quite a labor-intensive job and I suppose something that probably would have not given you the same kind of passion to moving into something that you've been working on in the background for many years, you know, how was that transition for you and how much did it benefit you day-to-day, day even in terms of happiness and, you know, work-life balance, everything along those lines? Uh, massively. So I started working with companies like Honeywell, Wyatt, um, pharmaceutical companies and um, I, I suppose I, I climbed the ladder which um, the further I went up in my career fulfillment the more unhappier I got um, it's funny you said labour intensive like when I, when I finally made the switch I was what you call a group leader so I was leading a group of people in the engineering um, department and um in the manufacturing um, facility, a big manufacturing facility in Cork, and I was just miserable. I was doing 12 hour shifts, I was doing night shifts, I worked in some weeks 60, 70 hour plus weeks. And um, I decided to make the jump and start my own business. It wasn't easy, an easy thing to do. Like, I often meet people, I meet friends of mine who say they'd love to do something similar, but it isn't easy to walk away from a permanent secure a job, do something that will be, especially nowadays, is not secure. So 
that initial jump was very, there was a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of doubt. And I feel like no matter what you do, whether it's health and fitness, it's coffee, if it's art, if it's any discipline that you have a passion in, you will have fulfillment. Like you may not be rich, but you'll wake up every morning and want to do what you want to do and work. And that's a huge thing to me now. So I look forward to Monday morning. I look forward to what the week brings. Every week is different. Um, I'm learning all the time. I'm developing my craft. So I, I consider working a craft. So I'm trying to make myself a better roaster week in, week out. Um, so I always give advice now to people. My own kids, I say, look, do something that you're going to enjoy. Like, unfortunately, I suppose I went to the career guidance teacher at my school and he asked me what I want to do. And I always remember, like, I asked him, I'd love to study history. I was big into history. And he said, no, no, no there's no work in that. You want to do an engineering job. You want to do something that you can actually um, make money with. So I was like, okay. So my career guidance teacher filled out my CEO form. And I, I didn't have much input in it. So I did four years of college and... 13 years working in the engineer field and then discovered like that no this isn't for me. And I suppose that's a great example of what people can decide to change their careers. Um, it could be three years, it could be 13 years. Um, making the change is a big thing. Yeah man I, I think when it comes down to especially the education system in Ireland you know it's really good and it, it's really beneficial in a lot of ways but one of the ways I think we're, we're let down is we're advised more on what's going to make us financially sound and maybe that's just yeah. coming off the back of a recession for say people in my age group uh, different obviously in the past but like one of the things I found when I did the Leaving Cert is I was kind of told I remember at the time I was thinking something along the lines of arts or teaching or even photography and I actually had a teacher turn to me and say you shouldn't become a teacher. There's no money in it. And I sat there and I was, okay, where's the money? They said, you study BIS. So I said, okay, I'll give it a bash. Put four years into it and uh, ended up putting a lot of work into something that, that didn't give me any passion. And I suppose that's how I ended up coming along to starting a podcast. Because I was saying, you know, you need something day to day that's going to give you life. And when now I found a job that I really enjoy and combine that with something day to day that I can do, you know, my work helps my podcast. My podcast helps my work. They both benefit each other. And when it comes down to it, it's, it's just a nice balance for me. And these days, that's really what I suppose is making me happy. So to see someone like yourself after that big, long time and decide, you know what, now I'm going to make that jump. It's just a really cool thing. And I suppose it's something a lot of people need to consider as an option for themselves. to Just back themselves and yeah. follow their passion. But yeah, in, terms exactly, of, yeah, okay. in terms of coffee, like if, you, if you don't, sorry, no internet connection seems to be going a bit funny. Uh, in terms of coffee, like where does that passion for you come from? I mean, where, when do you move from a Nescafe jar, sitting in work, scooping in tree beans of misery into a cup, a bit of bitterness, <laughs> to like actually yeah. roasting your own beans? And I suppose like the one thing I'd say is like having tried your coffee, it was probably one of the first premium blends of coffee I've tried that were actually you know, different flavors. And I remember you explaining to me the first day I, I met you and you said, look, this one will taste like this, this one will taste like this, and this one will taste like this. And I'd always kind of thought coffee is just coffee. Coffee just tastes yeah. like coffee. And I was able to see that yeah. difference. So where along the line did you kind of make that shift? So I suppose back in 2004, I decided to do the usual year backpacking, traveling around the world with Australia and New Zealand. So we actually spent two years. So we left in 2004, we came back um, early 2006, I think it was. And um, spent a year in Australia. And... 
it's a funny story. Like I, I walked into a, a cafe bar and they were looking for a barista. And I, at the time, I'd never even heard of what a barista was. I thought it would be the same as a barman. So I walked in the bar trade in Ireland. So I said, yeah, no problem, I can do it. And I always remember my first cappuccino I made. It was so bad, the customer came back with it. I made it again. They came back the second time. <laughs> and I was like, right, just something more to this coffee thing. So there was a roastery attached to the bar restaurant that we were working in. And they asked me whether it would be interesting in if I knew about the coffee and how it's roast and how they sort it. I said, yeah, no problem, I give it a go. And I was hooked. And when I got when I got when I first got that cup of coffee that didn't taste bitter, that didn't taste um overroasted, dark, and it was full of flavour, full of full of um fruitiness and complex com by the complex flavours that you get associated with especially in coffee. And back in two thousand and four, that was like a uh it kind of blew my mind that coffee could taste it. I always thought like coffee tasted like coffee. And that made me more more um, interested in the whole scene of coffee. Um, there's a very, very active cafe trade in Australia at the time. And I kind of immersed myself in it. Um, when I came back to Ireland, there was no specialty coffee. There was no there was no coffee scene. There were no baristas. Um, I'm not even sure we had Starbucks. And I kind of remember Starbucks came there. So I said, you know what? I use my engineering degree and my my knowledge of the industry. And I built my first ever coffee roaster. And I roasted my own coffee for myself and my family and my friends. But I will say 80% of that coffee was undrinkable. I was learning on the job. I was learning how to roast coffee by reading books, getting some stuff off the internet, and I was doing a lot of trial and error. Um, I eventually got to a level where I was working for competitions. I used to get coffee sent over from California, roast it and send it back to California to be judged. So this was before, this was a long, long time ago. So I learned, I learned that way. But then your friends and family would be saying, oh, your coffee tastes a lot better than what we get in the supermarkets or your next cafe. And, I said, you know, your friends and family are always going to be nice to you. They're always going to give you comments no matter what you do. So it took a long time to say, so much. I, I turned this passion into a project where I can make a living out of it. I can say I have four young kids. I have a mortgage. And to start the business is a big thing to do. So and I had to walk away from a 13-year a um, career that had a comfortable lifestyle. But I just wasn't happy. I wasn't. I wasn't mentally happy. I wasn't getting fulfilled in what I was doing. I was getting no enjoyment, for, even further in my education and developing myself in my career. I just said, right, I just want to do something that I love to do. And I was into the coffee scene. Um, I suppose I'm unusual where I started a roastery. A lot of companies would start a cafe and they made the roaster on coffee. I I wanted to do. What I loved to do was roast coffee and then supply it to other cafes, restaurants, people like yourself on online. Um, we supply offices and we ship an awful lot abroad now. So we have a big market in the UK, in Holland, in France, even as far as Australia. You can believe they were sending coffee back to Australia, which is a kind of a crazy thing because they send it back to where I started, which is a kind of a cool circle. 
it's nice for it to go full circle like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually, yeah. funny enough, I had one of my buddies in New York and he's getting very, very into his coffee at the moment. And he hit me up today and he said, look, I need you to recommend some coffee. And I was just like, you're, you're going to need to check out West Cork coffee was straight off my go-to <laughs> because to be honest, I like I've tried a load of different blends in the past, I'd say easily year since I've really, I suppose, taken to, you know, doing a proper brew as opposed to just buying out of the jar and just seeing how it goes. And like, I will say the diverse amount of flavors you have, and I suppose it, it really allows me to discover, you know, I actually really like these types versus some of the fruity ones, maybe not so much. And it's, yeah. it's great to actually sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning. It's not just like, all right, this is my wake up juice. This is going to get me through the day of work. It's just like nice, calm, tranquil, peaceful moments, having my nice cup yeah. of coffee in the morning. It's a, it's a huge difference. Say, I, always, I always say to people, like, if they can get the mentality of having coffee as something you enjoy around the caffeine hit. Yeah. Like we, all, we all wake up in the morning and we're programmed to get that cup of coffee into our system to give you that boost. And that's good. But if you do that with something that you're going to enjoy and taste and taste the complexity of the coffee and taste the, the origin and flavors of where the coffee came from, it makes it way more enjoyable. So rather than drink, drinking four commercial commodity coffees that you buy in your garage or your, um, your multinational coffee shop in the city, drink maybe two locally roasted coffees that will taste way more superior and you'll enjoy, you'll enjoy it more. Definitely. Um, we always ask people, like, if you're new to coffee or new to specialty coffee, we always ask people about their taste preferences. Would you like something fruity and acidic? Would you like something chocolate and nutty? And we can we can advise people on what will suit their taste preference and also how to brew the coffee. I know you got an AeroPress recently and you're experimenting over brewing an AeroPress. Fantastic advice, very versatile. But a lot of people are brewing coffee on French press, mocha pot, espresso, um, clever drip, pour overs. And each coffee suits each individual brewing method. So we like to advise like a high altitude African coffee that's going to be very fruity on pour over. On air press, a full immersion brew, recommended South American, Central American coffee. I'll try to display the body and the nuttiness and the chocolate flavors. So you can play around an awful lot and see what suits your, your taste buds. And um, yeah, and that's, it's a fun thing to do, like, Jonathan. I remember when I first started drinking coffee, I used to have like a blue book. This is before now we had um, mobile phones, I suppose, back in the early, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And I used, to, I used to write down the coffee origins, where I used to get the coffee from and take notes on what the flavours are and take notes on your brewing method. I still have the book this day. It's so funny because it's actually a little atlas of the turn it over. I used to pick off all the places in the world where the coffee was coming from. Well, like, it's a fun exercise to do. And I suppose, in a way, like wine, wine has a lot of complexity. It has a lot of flavour nuances of the origin of where the wine came from. Yeah. Exactly on the coffee. So a Kenyan coffee, an Ethiopian coffee, a Brazilian coffee, they have specific flavour characteristics that are associated with that country. And it's the roaster's job to pull out the flavour of profile that best suits that coffee. And when it comes so down to that, it is something I was always curious about in terms of the flavour. So it comes down to the region, the way it's grown, and then 
how does the way you roast it vary it to give it such a diverse range of flavors? Yeah, so first of all, you've got your region. The region has the flavors, the process and how the farm process the coffee, whether it's a washed or a natural coffee, that has a big difference in the flavor or profile of it. And then the roaster themselves. Every roaster has a recipe that they like to implement on the coffee itself. Um, I would be considered maybe a medium to light roaster. Your dark roasted coffee would be people who go to what we call the second crack. So coffee itself, right, it goes through three phases. You roast it, a drying phase, a baking phase, and a caramelization phase, which is the development phase of the coffee. So like popcorn, the coffee seed pops from the roast. You can actually physically, you can actually hear it in the roaster. So I would, and more specialty coffee roasters, would stop after the first crack. Your dark roasted coffees, they would go further until they get a second crack. And that's developing the coffee even more. The flavors you get a second crack will be um, your bitter, your dark, your tobacco, your smoky flavors. A first crack coffee will be pulling up the acidity and the fruitiness of the coffee. Because if you remember, the coffee tree has cherry. And inside each cherry is two seeds, two coffee beans. So every cherry has two coffee beans. That's actually a fruit. The cherry is a fruit. So you're roasting a fruit. So you want to bring out those fruit flavors. And that's, that's the skill of the roaster. Every roaster roasts differently. You've all got wrong techniques. And um, I suppose it's our job to pull out the, the origin flavors of the coffee. Um, you can go into more detail and for washed coffee to be more complex, natural coffee to be more funky. There's a bit of fermentation in natural coffee. So some people associate kind of a boozy flavor to the coffee or um, dark kind of liqueur, um, strawberry flavors associated with natural coffee. But washed coffee is more complex, more acidic, more clean. Awesome. So it's, it's, it's a minefield of information. <laughs> I yeah, can't no, give me too much information. There's definitely a lot to it. And I mean, look, for someone who's maybe looking to get into this sort of thing, and I suppose, feel like, when I say get into it, I just mean even broaden their coffee horizons a little bit and try find the blends that are going to suit them. You know, is something like an arrow press a good starting point? Is something like a drip press? I mean, where would you recommend people start and what types of beans would they go to just as a starting point if all you're doing before is just Nescafe into a cup? I would actually go, I'd make it as simple as possible. I would even go for a cafeteria or a French press. Yeah. Um, if they haven't got a coffee grinder, buy your coffee locally from a roaster like myself. You will roast this when you order and grind this when you order. You don't want to be buying grown coffee off the shelf in the supermarkets because it's probably been grown weeks or even months before you bought it. Um, there's so many things you can do to make it more complicated for you. can buy a French press, get freshly roasted coffee, get a brew recipe off the roaster. We recommend 17 grams for every cup of coffee. That's a nice starting point. So weigh your coffee, weigh in 17 grams. Leave the steep for two or three minutes and plunge quick and easy. And then you can start talking about air presses and you can start talking about Kalitas and V60s. It's a whole different world then you get more immersed into it. Um, the air press is a fantastic device, but it can, it can scare some people as well. Some people get it and they're, they're questioning themselves and they're using it right. Should we be doing it inverted? Should we be doing it standard? And 
it can put some people off and gets put back in the cupboard because it's a bit too much. Yeah. Um, the fan, it's a fantastic device, which like I've, I've competed in competitions using the AirPress. Like you can imagine there's a world AirPress championship where a winner from every country challenges her with their own recipe. And then there's a panel of judges who taste that coffee and the winner is selected every year. It's a huge, a huge event. That's where you're going to go next year and you're going to be competing for Ireland in the AirPress championship. So I need some goals to go for. I like the sound of that now, to be honest. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. I, I'd say I'm the only one who likes my awful coffee that I make at 7 o'clock in the morning before work. But sure, it suits me fine. That's the main thing. The problem is I'm actually, I feel like I need to give it the time. So like if I'm in a rush, there's nothing worse than trying to rush an AeroPress. Versus if yeah. like when I wake up on a Sunday, that's my best cup of coffee of the week. Probably when I least need it. But I'm up, I'm relaxed breakfast on and I'll just make a nice cup of coffee sit there listen to a podcast and just relax and it's just perfection for me versus mm. before work it's a little bit more labored that's that's like when, uh, when I first met you at the TFS it was really feels even though it's five o'clock in the morning and it's pitch dark there's something about it there's nothing else to be doing just having that cup of coffee and going for a walk or a run it's basically your mind is cleared not to think about besides that cup of coffee and that five kilometer walk and it's just simple things i was saying to someone after the lock the first lockdown that we had and we slowly started reopening the economy the cafe started reopening a lot of people said to us just uh, just to, be able to get a cup of coffee and talk to someone it's something simple yeah it's something take it for granted massively I, I think especially like with stuff like connor does with tfs and just being able to socially enjoy a coffee and sit down or even just go to a local cafe now and have a sit down and have one you know it just makes such a difference and i suppose we're, we're going through a weird time where the world's kind of it's, it's opening up it's shutting down we don't really know what's coming down the line i mean for for yourself how how's that impacted you the past few months how's your business changed um massively so when i first went into lockdown um, I didn't know what was going to happen so we supply numerous cafes in um, Cork and one by one they were closing so I was wondering what, what's going to happen with the stock we have and, but literally like 24 48 hours later the online sales skyrocketed um, I was still amazed by it like that the, the response that I got and West Cork Coffee got by people like yourself ordering online. Um, and that, that grew to a, a stage where we had to actually hire someone to, to kind of manage the online side of it, the packaging. Um, so a lot of work goes into the packaging on the courier, booking in the packages, it's all done the day before. The business went from say 20% online to, sorry, 20% online, 80% wholesale, and it flipped, went to 20% wholesale. 80% on and that was only about 40 hours the first week of lockdown so it was a huge a huge um, a huge change for us um, luckily we st we're still selling a good bit of coffee online some of the cafes reopened and unfortunately they're they're in level 3 now so they're restricted to outdoor seating um, yeah. and, a, and a limit of 15 people which to be honest it's not, it's not a viable way to run a business but some of them are trying and some of them are persevering um, and they're trying to be innovative and trying different uh, ways of getting revenue 
but like today you know, I saw it's over a thousand cases, it's quite worrying. Um so we could be going to further restrictions. So again, online is um is probably our best avenue for the state of the future. Um we have a few projects we're thinking about doing maybe online training, online ballistic training and just trying to be creative and keeping keeping the show on the road, I suppose. Awesome man. I think I think definitely, you know, just just seeing the way businesses are functioning these days and the way people are kind of persevering. I mean, I was I was actually talking to one of our previous guests on the podcast, and they were their PT, and they were too afraid for such a long time to say go online training, and they were in a gym and that was their bread and butter, and suddenly the gym wasn't an option anymore, and since then their their business massively jumped up, way more profitable. They're able to help their clients so much more, and they found this whole new range of their business that they used to maybe be ten percent. And, you know, those are the good sides to see this whole thing, you know, seeing people thrive, seeing their business improve and just seeing people adapt and overcome. And I suppose what is a difficult time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, for I your... Suppose, I, well, yeah. No, not work, sorry, no. Well, I just saying, I, 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 we were very lucky that we, we were able to stay open during the whole lockdown. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> being a food business, a food production business, we were able to stay open. Um, and I, I kind of jokingly said like that, but all the people working from home now, caffeine and coffee has become um, a necessity basically. Um, it is. We saw you jump. We saw you jump in people really investing in their home coffee setup and learning more about coffee. And you know me through Instagram, like I'm very open to people asking me questions about how to brew the coffee what the best method is doing is, what, what specific coffee to order. I'm always there to help in that aspect. So if you're communicating with Westcar Coffee on Instagram, it would be me who'd be communicating with And I'm always open to any feedback or questions that customers have. And a lot of people are just getting into it. And I suppose they're used to going to work and having their cafe on site and going for their cup of coffee. Um, I had one guy around me actually recently. He worked for a big... IT social media company in Dublin and his office were all getting a thousand euro each to kiss out their houses with whatever equipment they need. So the guy was like, oh, like I was told, you know, to what should I buy? You can get a good machine for thousand euro. So that's, so people, like, I suppose workplaces can see now that people will probably be working from home for the foreseeable future to try and make it as comfortable as possible and that includes having good coffee. Makes a massive difference. I mean, look day to day, it's kind of, it's one of those things that's built into the office life and, you know, it's definitely taking your break, taking a step away from your office and just being able to relax with a cup of coffee. It makes a massive difference in an eight and a half hour day, especially if for some people who maybe don't enjoy their work as much. But, in terms of, say, your own life outside of work then, Tony, because, I mean, you're not just West Cork Coffee. You know, you also have your own life outside, your passion for running. And I know from chats we've had in the past, definitely the nutrition side of things, you have a bit of a different approach even to myself. I mean, would you mind telling me a little bit about your own fitness journey and kind of how you got into running and all that side of things? Yeah, so um, I was a soccer player back in my teens. Like, so I played at the third Munster senior league level. And in my early twenties, I um, I lost interest in 
work out the way and life got in the way and I kind of moved away from football. It's probably four or five years of not doing any exercise basically. The weight start the weight started coming on and I just wasn't feeling good. I started um I started to go back running. I remember the football pitch, the football pitch next to where I lived. And I did one lap of the football pitch and that was me, I was done. I just couldn't do any more. So I walked my way up to five kilometers and really slowly but surely walked my way up to a half marathon and I did my first half marathon in 2014. I've a full marathon every year since, except this year, because this year has proven difficult. Yeah. Um, so I got into marathon running, I suppose, in about four or five years, I was doing one a year. And I was actually scheduled to do the 100 my kind of marathon this year. That was the next step up. But unfortunately I got injured. I got injured during lockdown and um that that hampered my training and I um I pulled back a bit no finish to be honest with you I recovered from the injury. Yeah. And um just have to get more veins and get back up there. But I was big I, I had a big I I suppose I discovered a big fascination of ultra running and, and running in general and the characters in the sport and there's some amazing books out there. You probably all read about David Goggins and um, Scott Skrullick. Um, amazing ultimate amazing stories. And I got more immersed into it. And um, running, is a fa- running to me anyway is a fantastic way to de-stress, to um, unwind. And I know some like I always tell people like it's funny like I go they run a twenty mile run. People say she was crazy on that trail, but. That's my way of relaxing. That's my that's my way of winding down and releasing the stress of family life and work life. And um, yeah, it's just really I really love it. Like and I remember meeting you all to TFS, and I have to say, like you have you've lost lots of weight since the last time I saw you. Yeah, you're looking good, man. I, th- I think you're we're about 20, 20 kilos down since that point. There, thereabouts. So it's tipping along nicely now. I think I put that 20 kilos I want, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who's giving it out for free, whoever wanted it. <laughs> well, you're looking amazing. Man. Because last time I saw you, you did TFS and um, I think we walked. Did you get a little bit walking here? Yeah, I think we were yeah. walking and chatting for the yeah. whole time. I, I was absolutely panned yeah. that day. Yeah, but I can see massively. You're looking amazing, man. So fair picture. Cheers, man. Means a lot. And, look- um, if you don't mind my asking, there was there's one thing I was really curious about was I remember one of the times we were chatting at TFS and you were telling me about the way you eat and kind of I suppose the pescatarian type approach you had going at that time. Are you still eating like that? Is that still the way yeah, you'd approach so your nutrition? I'm a pescatarian now, so pescatarian sounds really obnoxious way of saying that. Yeah. <laughs> like I I still say when I'm out I'm a vegetarian and people say, What you eat fish? I said, yeah, I just, it just sounds great when you say pescatarian. It <laughs> does sound that little pie. bit extra. It's just under it's vegan so, and it's above vegetarian, you know. It's, exactly, it's, yeah. As my friend said to me, like, it sounds like you've made up the words yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, so I haven't eaten meat since 2012. So eight years until now. Um, I eat fish, I eat a lot of veg. I have dipped my toe in veganism, but... I never lasted more than two or three weeks. Yeah. It's something really difficult. Um, I love eggs, I love cheese, I love milk. So that was veganism scratched off for me, but 
Yeah, I just don't eat meat. Um, and that says a lot. Like I, my, my father was a master butcher and my, um, my grandfather was a master butcher. So I'm from a family of butchers. So it's the funny thing to say to my father, I don't eat anymore. Um, but yeah, it's, myself and my wife do it like oh, one of us who don't eat. So it's, that makes it easier. And um, I suppose I see in the long run, I probably have the health benefits of this. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't eat. <laughs> and like in in terms of like the way it makes you feel, and maybe the contrast from when you used to eat meat, you used to eat that way. I mean, was it from like a fitness point of view that you decided to make that change, or what? What was the the thoughts behind it? Yeah, I suppose fitness when I first started getting into running, I was looking at ways of improving my diet basically. Um, I found when I ate meat, I felt, um, I don't know, I don't know, I felt full, I suppose, full for longer, which is probably a good thing for some people like that. Um, I just feel in the long run, having a high veg, quality fish diet, could benefit me in my later stages of my life, I suppose. Tony, we're back online. Technology not being our friends tonight. I think it's it's the fact that we decided to record so late. It's definitely they're saying you're up too late. You've had too much coffee. Something going wrong. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Now? yeah. yeah. All yeah. good. I have it. I have it. I feel I feel like everything's going wrong with this today. It's so funny. Like my my laptop decided to die dead. I've moved to my work one. Then Zoom has decided to kick me out after forty minutes. I don't know what's going wrong, man. It's uh, <laughs> it seems to be one of those days. But anyway, look. Thank you so much for running yeah. me through everything about your business. Give me an idea about the way you eat. And I suppose, look, one, one of the things, the aim of this podcast is to show people exactly, you know, how different worlds people live in, the way they work, the way they operate, and just in general, anything that can benefit someone. And I think your story and the way you approach your life, the way you approach your business is something anyone can admire and really, I suppose, learn from and take something from. So look, thanks so much for coming on. I, suppose I, I wanted to pop back on for five minutes just so uh, we can maybe chat through where people can find you and where people can get your coffee. Uh, so would you mind just letting everyone know yeah. best spots for you? Yeah, I suppose, thanks very much, Shane, for inviting me because um, I don't do many Zoom calls, actually. So this is, <laughs> this is like my, I think my second or third Zoom call since the lockdown. So, yeah. Um, Were you stuck on the bad the Zoom English, quizzes like the rest um, of us? No, I, I never know. I stay away from all that. I I think I think I did three chats like this. Yeah. They're all coffee related, no quizzes. Lucky bastard. Honestly, the, the lockdown um, quizzes is the one thing I never want to go back to. Um, <laughs> I heard about them, yeah. They're, they're some of the um, they're some of the funnier ones, yeah. But um I suppose West Car Coffee where we're mainly online, uh, westcarcoffee.ie. We have coffee subscriptions. We have coffee, boom equipment. Um, Instagram is probably our most active social media platform. You can contact us there through private message and we'll happily respond to any coffee-related questions. The city, you can get our coffee in English markets and Lucy Foodie. You can buy them Bradley's and not Main Street. You can buy the Good Day Deli in the Nagel building. So, you have plenty of options to buy it in and around the city. 
or you can buy it online. So shipping on any order on our website is four euro and everything. So that's from 250 grams up to whatever you want to order. You said 10 kilo. You have a capping habit. You need 10 kilo before your coverage. So um, hopefully we get TFS is back going again, and we get um, we get our five o'clock uh, the morning's copies. So hopefully we can meet again that day. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think it is something lacking at the moment where. I haven't I haven't felt the daft need to get up at five in the morning and show up to the Lee Fields with a bunch of strangers to have a coffee. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully in the next few weeks we can manage it once things quiet down on the COVID front anyway. Look, Tony, thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> thanks for taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Look, everyone, I highly recommend Tony's coffee. I think I recommend it to everyone and I, I greatly appreciate it if you all could support local, especially at the times like these, and definitely go and try that coffee. Tony man, thanks so much. Have a good night. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, man. Cheers.